All right. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Well, back by popular demand is Dr. Rachel Rubin. She's not just a urologist, but she's also a sexual health medicine expert. And today she's going to be talking about the symptoms of menopause, how to deal with them, and a bill that you might want to know about. Please welcome her back to the show. It's always great to see you. You're just delightful in the way you take a topic like this and make it not only understandable, but fun in a way. <laughs> Well, it is so important. And you know what? I've, I'm just so happy to be back. You just have such an engaging, wonderful audience. And nothing makes me happier than really smart people who are interested in their health and they ask good questions and they just want to know more. Right. And, you know, because of your previous appearance, a lot of people started on the medication that has helped them so much, not just with dryness and uh, uh, sexual pain, but, you know, relieving the UTIs because you were like one of the champions about that. And I even told my doctor about that. And she goes, I, I, I follow you, meaning she follows you. She knew who you were. I thought that was great. It's amazing. There's a couple of us who are such champions for very simple things that make a huge impact in people's lives, not just quality of life, but preventing urinary tract infections, which can kill you, right? And it's not just about antibiotics, but it's about preventive measures, um, you know, to do so that you don't have to deal with that when you're 90 and in a nursing home. Right. And so many people, just especially the vegans, like, well, I, I think people think, well, if you're vegan, you should never get sick. You should never take medicine. And so they don't want to do things that aren't natural. But, you know, living to the age we're living isn't natural. Our ancestors didn't have to deal with, you know, vaginal dryness and UTIs because they were dead. The natural thing is a really interesting thing because there is nothing more natural than your bot, like your body's hormones that are giving you what you need. But when you lose the ability to make that hormone, when you're in menopause, you don't have that. And so the tissue becomes dry and irritated and raw. And if you want to have sex, you're going to increase the risk of urinary tract infections. Even without sex, you're going to increase the risk of urinary tract infections. And so adding back local hormone to keep the tissue strong and healthy, there's literally nothing more natural because if you don't do that, you're going to need lots of antibiotics, which then can create resistant bacteria and an unhealthy microbiome. And honestly, there are no natural probiotics, nothing out there that is going to restore uh, the healthy tissue the way that vaginal hormones will do. And it's it, it's inexpensive. It is natural, uh, hor you know, bioidentical hormones that are FDA approved, and it helps so many people. For, for somebody that's still like on the fence, because I have a friend who's in her 80s and she missed coming to Thanksgiving because she had another UTI. She's, mm -hmm. I don't know if she's sexually active or not, but the point is she gets them. They're painful. They take forever to go away. She's on it. And I keep telling her, I, I've sent her your interviews. Is there like, have you written a piece or a blog post or somewhere where it's like, just read yeah. this? Do I, I do. I, and we need more, but I have a blog post and videos on my website, rachelrubinmd.com. There's a blog called The Magic of Hormones that I like to give out. Um, and then there's a video version of it as well on, on the blog. And so it's just, it's so infuriating, right? Even my own family members will forget to take it or they can't be bothered by it or something like that. And then they get a urinary tract infection and they don't realize how it's like sunscreen. You can't wear sunscreen for 30 years and then forget it on your next beach vacation and say, well, I should get 
credit because I did it for 30 years, you're still going to get sunburned, right? And so this poor woman, this friend of yours, you wanted her at Thanksgiving. That would have been such a joyful, wonderful occasion. And she had to miss it because of real, real morbidity, right? Right? Like real medical problems. And so this is a, there is literally no risk of stroke, heart attack, blood clots, dementia, cancer. And what's so crazy, Chef AJ, is because of the FDA um, uh, false labeling, everyone thinks it's dangerous, but it's actually not. That labeling is based on completely different medicines given a completely different way. And so we're actually going to advocate to the FDA this year and say, hey, we've got 80-year-olds who are afraid to take this medication and they are getting really, really bad symptoms of urinary tract infections and ending up in hospitals because of your false labeling. It's a huge problem. Well, you know, if, you know, we're talking about labeling. I mean, let's not have balsamic vinegar because there's a risk of lead. They have to label things. They have to protect themselves. Even certain spices, risk of lead. And people, I mean, you, it drives me crazy. That but people, people still- don't read. The, the, the crazy thing is, is people only read the box labeling of vaginal hormones. I mean, every medicine has these crazy risks and side effects and all of these things. Every supplement, if a supplement doesn't say the risks and side effects, it's because no one's looking under the bottle to actually test it, right? My kids, the applesauce, you know, gets recalled for lead possibilities because, you know, things can happen. But the thing is, is you have to understand what the safety data really is. And the the for vaginal hormones... It is one of the safest medications that exists out there. And the benefits outweigh the risks by gajillion folds, right? It's really unbelievable. Right. And it's also quality of life, at least for my friend, getting a, a, a UTI that puts you, you know, in pain for 10 days every month. What kind of quality of life is that when there is such a simple fix? And but you're the one that made it so easy for people, because I think some of the people didn't like taking the cream because it's kind of messy and gooey. But with the little thing. A lot of people there's the, are so, right. so I think that's, that's the key. Everyone says, oh, I tried that. It didn't work for me, but there's options. There's, there's creams, which you can rub in, like you rub in your moisturizer on your face. You can rub it into your vagina. There's inserts, which you just set it and forget it. There are uh, suppositories. There's even a ring that lasts three months at a time. So there are options if it doesn't work for you. Yeah. Just to play devil's advocate, are there any any medical conditions you can think of that maybe it would be contraindicated? Is there, there even is, one? there is only one and it's not contraindicated. It's we need more data. And that one patient, the only patient that exists that I will say, we have to have a conversation together with your oncologist is when you're actively on what's called an aromatase inhibitor. So when you have breast cancer and you are on not tamoxifen, that's fine, not anything else. But if you're on an aromatase inhibitor and they are actively trying to get every cell of estrogen out of your body, right? By giving you this aromatase inhibitor, then there is a slight uh, concern that if you add any vaginal estrogen, that it could be problematic. Now the data shows that there's no increased mortality in this patient population. And so there are some very small data, like data sets that give a concern. Could there be a risk of recurrence? And so that data, we need more of it. There's no question we need more data, but there is no risk. If you have a family history of breast cancer, there's no risk if you've had a breast cancer, but you're not on any medications. There's no risk if, so there's so many, there's no risk if you've had a blood clot. There's no risk if you've had a family history of blood clot. There's no risk if you have endometriosis history, all of that. It is a minuscule little baby amount. Someone gave me a perfect example. There is a big difference if you take a steroid by mouth, right? Then if you use a little steroid cream, a tiny bit on a, on a little part of your skin, right? They're both steroids, but the amount is so different and the risks and the side effects are 
are so different. So using a little topical estrogen in the vagina is very different than if you take birth control pills or, or, or pills of hormone therapy. Does that make sense? I think it's a really cool analogy. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you saw the show yesterday, but Dr. Michael Greger, he was on and he has a new book called How Not to Age. And there's a big kerfuffle now about this uh, cream that a lot of people use, Trentinoin, you know, that because one study showed it, you know, people died or something. And it's just like people go crazy over stuff. The thing is, is that you need, you need people, educated people to um, make decisions for themselves. And I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to say, get good advice and really have someone help who can really get to know you, who can weigh the risks and benefits and put it into perspective for you. Because the whole point, it doesn't matter if you're 90 and you have a horrible quality of life. The goal is to live with a good quality of life and to live well and to live, you know, and be as strong as you possibly can be. Absolutely. You mentioned that there's a bill in Congress about menopause. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and what ramifications that might have? Absolutely. I'm going to share my screen with you because I want people to see. So I want everyone to go to letstalkmenopause.org. Uh, uh, here's the, the screen. And it is a wonderful group of people. Here I am up here. There's a lot of famous people in the menopause space who have signed on to supporting this bill. And so this is the Menopause Research and Equity Act of 2023. It is sponsored. It's bipartisan. Y'all, we don't get anything bipartisan these days, but bipartisan because menopause is a bipartisan problem. I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican, you will go through menopause or somebody you love will go through menopause. And so it's sponsored by Congresswoman Clark uh, from New York and Congresswoman Lesko from Arizona. It is a project of this wonderful nonprofit, Let's Talk Menopause and the National Menopause Foundation. And so if you go to letstalkmenopause.org, you can sign on to show support uh, for this really important bill. So this bill is going to demand that NIH uh, takes a lot more research into midlife women's health issues, that there's going to be more funding, there's going to be more research. And there's a couple other bills going on right now through Congress that are really trying to get more education. Because I don't know if y'all know this, but less than 7% of your doctors have any idea how to treat menopause. They don't even think about it. The cardiologists don't know how, the neurologists don't know how, the rheumatologists don't know how. And I really wanna go over because all of the symptoms of menopause include every type of doctor and yet doctors have no idea how to treat or think about menopause, which if you look at me and you're like, Ruben, you're crazy, I, it, it's insane, right? It's absolutely insane. Wow. I just, I put the link in the chat. I'll also put it in the show notes. Thank you. Yeah. It's about time. You know, we have all these other ribbons and walks, but this is something that's not, you know, really talked about a lot except by you. <laughs> well, I think it's a P I think it's, it's, it's so crazy chef AJ. Cause I think it's a marketing problem. It's, it's literally just how the information is presented to people. And I think if people really understood what the symptoms of menopause are, I think they would really be like, wait a minute, I have that. Wait a minute. I have that. Oh, this is menopause. Oh, this is hormones. So can I share a fun thing that we've 
been putting together for this yes. for, for 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 December or do you have more things you want to talk about? Oh, first? no, no, we, we can always talk. I'd love to see what you talked about because you mentioned it and it sounded really fun. So this is a really cool international campaign that we've been doing. Um, it started with an amazing menopause specialist in Australia. Uh, there are menopause specialists in England and all over the United States who are getting involved in this uh, December celebration of menopausal symptoms. And every day we talk about a different symptom of menopause. And so I want to take a bit in, in, in the spirit of Christmas cheer, I want to take through pe take people through what all the symptoms are of perimenopause and menopause, because I think there are a lot of people in their 40s and, and 50s who are experiencing symptoms and they feel very alone and they don't realize that this is menopause. So we'll start heavy periods. Uh, people start to get right. You're, you're used to having a period, whatever your period is right for you. And things start to get crazy. You start to get them more frequently or that you start to bleed like uh, like it's a murder scene or something like that. People get anemia, right? Which is a big problem. And so you can get fatigue and issues if you're having so much bleeding. So it's really important to know that heavy bleeding is a sign of perimenopause and there's a lot we can do about it. How about palpitations. Remember I said your cardiologist doesn't know anything about menopause and yet heart palpitations is a really common symptom. Oprah had heart palpitations and went to five different doctors and nobody picked up on it. She figured it out from reading a book and Oprah, who is now in her seventies, has been on hormone therapy this whole time and only now is admitting to it and talking about it. And so heart palpitations is a really important sign of perimenopause. Now, Chef AJ, stop me at any point if you want uh, to talk more about these. How about yeah. poor sleep? If you do not get good sleep, you will not have a healthy life, right? Like, like sleep is one of the most important self-care selfish things that you can do is it you, it doesn't matter how productive you are it doesn't matter like you need to sleep sleep is so restorative it is so important for your weight it is so important for your mental health it is so important for cognition and menopause and perimenopause make it so hard to sleep and medications to help with those things natural natural body identical medications can help with your sleep and if i can help you sleeping i can help your sex life. I can help your uh, help you stay in the workplace, help you be at the top of your game. And so sleep is such an important sign of perimenopause. Itchy and dry skin. Uh, what happens is the skin, the, uh, you need estrogen in your skin. And so not only can you get wrinkles, but you get itchy, dry skin, dry hair, nails start to crack. Um, and so dry skin and skin changes, the things that used to work for you don't work for you anymore, is a common symptom of perimenopause, y'all. How about anxiety? Y'all, I am a very anxious person, but it gets worse in perimenopause, right? So I, I see women all the time coming to see me and they say, I, you know, this is just everything that used to feel hard feels so much harder than it did before. I used to be X amount of anxious and now I'm 10 times the amount of anxious and nothing else has changed in my life. Now, I really ache for the people who went through or go through all of this during uh, a pandemic because everybody is stressed, everybody is anxious, but there is a biologic, uh, 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 there is a biologic basis to this worsening of anxiety in perimenopause. Now, the thing Chef AJ's viewers are all asking about all the time, I'm sure, is the weight gain issues and the change in fat deposition in menopause. We see a lot more of, of, um, of um, a visceral fat uh, deposition. We see a lot more difficulty in taking and keeping weight off. And as the hormones are fluctuating, this becomes really challenging. And so again, the thing 
things that used to work for you may not work for you anymore. How about memory issues? I see brain fog and memory issues. I can't tell you how many women in their 40s and 50s who start going to neurologists because they think they have early onset dementia. And so the neurologists work with them and they say, well, no, you don't have early onset dementia. See you later. And they don't say to them, oh, this is because of the fluctuating hormone levels in your body. And there are evidence-based safe ways to help with these issues to make you feel better. And so again, we love to tell women to just breathe more, do more yoga, eat more cleanly. And all of that is important, y'all. And all of that is helpful. But we also have to understand that there is a biological basis to this. When you have an empty gas tank, right, it is going to come with changes. And there are ways to fill your gas tank that are safe and effective. Low libido. Oh my gosh, y'all. This is what I do every day in my clinics as a sexual medicine doctor. Low libido is so biopsychosocial, right? You know, if we think about horny teenagers, you don't think about how they're having deep, meaningful connections, right? We don't talk about teenagers as like, wow, they really connect on a deep level and they're really in love. Like, no, they're horny. They can't keep their hands off of each other. There's a biological drive that makes teenagers do crazy things. And so there is, oops, sorry guys, there is a biology to sex drive. And so it's dopamine, it's testosterone, it's estrogen. There is a biological basis. I had a patient just this week who I put on testosterone a few months ago and I just saw her. She said, Dr. Rubin, I am now like a horny teenage boy. I can't keep my hands off my husband. He needs to come in and see you now because my libido is like night and day what it was when I first started seeing you. And so what's fun about my clinic is I get to see the future. So when someone comes into me with low libido, I see how we can help it. And it's often through sex therapy, through medications, through hormones, through things like that. And they really do get better. And it's really fun because I'm able to take care of all the partners who come in, um, you know, because I can help the male partners, the female partners. So whatever love triangle ends up in my office, I can help them with their different medical issues. Hot flashes. This is the one y'all have heard about, but this is not the only symptom of menopause. There are people who never have hot flashes, and there are people who keep having hot flashes well into their 70s. There are people who never stop getting hot flashes. And hot flashes, it turns out, are not just hot flashes and things that go away. It is probably a marker for cardiovascular disease. And so people who have very bad hot flashes probably have a worse risk factor of heart disease, dementia dementia, because the hot flashes are probably affecting your blood vessels in significant ways. And so it is really important that we take good care of people with hot flashes and that we don't just minimize their symptoms by saying, have a cold blanket, use a fan, put the air conditioning on. All that's important. But there are really, really serious negative health consequences of having severe hot flashes. How about becoming irritable, right? That goes along with the anxiety of just like, I am just every, I had a patient come in and everything my kids do now drives me crazy. Uh, it is just my irritability is off the roof. And so again, the fluctuating hormone levels can really increase irritability. How about hair loss, right? So uh, think about pregnancy hair. People who are pregnant, they have this wonderful luscious hair and then they start breastfeeding and it all falls out in clumps, right? When you have hormone fluctuations, the hair can really respond to that. And so people are very, very... Um, uh, frustrated by hair loss. And so uh, uh, different uh, hormone changes can affect hair loss. 
uh, ear, ringing in your ear, uh, tinnitus is a, is a common a complaint that we see. I also see people saying like just sounds are, are bothering them in a new way. So I don't think people realize how we have hormone receptors in all parts of our body, right? Hormone receptors are everywhere. Your eyes have hormone receptors in them. And so you get dry eye in perimenopause and menopause because of the change in hormone levels. Headaches is a common one that we see that headaches can get worse. Sometimes they can get better in menopause, but sometimes they can get worse when the hormone changes happen. Joint pain is a funny one, Chef AJ. I never thought in a million years as a urologist, I would treat so much joint pain. But I have patients come back to me and they say, oh my gosh, Dr. Rubin, I'm getting out of bed and I don't feel old anymore. My joints don't feel creaky. Um, and so your joints, we see a, a frozen shoulder. There's a wonderful orthopedic surgeon on, on Instagram who talks a lot about hormone therapy and menopause. And so um, you should have her on your show. And she talks, and so she talks all about frozen shoulder is a really common thing that happens in menopausal uh, women and, and hormones actually can help, which is, is super interesting. Um, the skin changes. So not only do you get dry skin, but some people feel sort of creepy, crawly uh, uh, skin changes, which is just, you know, people, pain is one thing, y'all, but itch and like creepy, crawly skin is just it's horrible. It is really, really horrible. Um, breathing issues. Uh, people certainly can have changes in their cardiovascular system. They can get changes in asthma. I see quite frequently in my clinic. And so um, again, our allergists, our rheumatologists, they're not trained to think about menopause from a hormone perspective. So it's really, really, you're not always getting the most optimal care because people aren't looking at this through a hormonal lens. Um, GI issues. Y'all, I'm sounding like a broken record, but you have hormone receptors in your GI tract. And so we see worsening GI symptoms throughout this perimenopause period. Um, and um, it's whether it's IBS or worsening constipation or microbiome, gut microbiome issues. And again, your GI doctor who's looking at SIBO, who's looking at uh, a gut motility is not always trained to look at hormonal issues. And so when your doctor is so laser focused on the one problem that you're seeing them for, they miss the fact that you're a 52-year-old person who's having all of these issues, right? So what happens is patients ends up going to 10 doctors and nobody picks up on the fact that this is all universally a perimenopause or menopausal issue. Fatigue, guys, I'm almost done. I promise. I know this is a long, oh, I a love long this. Thing. Don't, don't, this is but, fantastic. Don't rush. Fatigue, fatigue, fatigue. Y'all are so exhausted and it's real. I just want to say it's real. Everything you're experiencing is real and you are not alone. Fatigue is real and it is exhausting. And whether it's because of low iron because you're bleeding so much or a lack of testosterone or lack of estrogen or just as the world is just an exhausting place and you're not sleeping and you have fatigue, there are so many reasons fatigue happens. And we're also not the best at treating fatigue when it comes to uh, women in general. And I think COVID and long COVID have really highlighted uh, how much work we have to do uh, how much work medicine has to do to help people. Now we made it to December 19th, y'all, and we finally got to urinary problems, which is my favorite topic. But y'all don't realize that in your late 30s and through your 40s, 50s, 60s and beyond, 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, right? 
people get worsening urinary frequency, urinary urgency, leakage. What happens in your late 30s is your testosterone starts to drop and your vagina and bladder have testosterone receptors in it. So it starts getting irritable. It starts getting overactive. It starts like needing to pee all the time. And like Chef AJ's friend who couldn't come to Thanksgiving dinner, your microbiome changes and you get urinary tract infections because it's not an acidic environment where it can fight infections. You all know the vaginal pH is supposed to be four and a half. It's supposed to be a very acidic place like your stomach and that it can fight infection, whatever comes at it. So sex can happen. You can fight those infection. But when you do not have a healthy microbiome, you risk not only urinary symptoms, but pain with sex, dryness, and recurrent urinary tract infections, which can kill people and does kill a lot of people. I can't tell you how many messages I get on social media that said, gee, I wish I knew this for my mom, for my grandma, for my aunt, because she suffered so much. And I think the thought is that we have to suffer as women and that there's nothing we can do, but you don't have to suffer. Vaginal hormones are safe for your 98-year-old great-grandma. They are safe for everybody. As I, we said earlier in this program, they are safe, safe, safe. And so I can't, I can't shout it loud enough because everyone needs to hear it. I had a patient come to see me. She said, Dr. Rubin, I have to tell you, I shared your blog posts with my mom who shared it with her friend Dolores and her friend Dolores had been suffering from so many urinary tract infections that she was hospitalized needing IV antibiotics. And she shared it with your friend Dolores and her friend Dolores went to her doctor and asked for vaginal estrogen and she got a prescription. And I'm so happy to tell you, Dr. Rubin, it's been five months now and Dolores has not had a single urinary tract infection and she is living her best life and she's so happy. And so because I am loud on social media, Dolores, who I've never met before, right, is now not having urinary tract infections, not having those issues, and has a safe and effective treatment strategy to help her, which is just literally why I'm addicted to my job because of Dolores, right? That's why I'm addicted to what I do. Um, we see so many mental health challenges when it comes to perimenopause and menopause. I literally just got an email five minutes before starting this from someone who said, Dr. Rubin, my psychologist told me to reach out to you because I'm really struggling with depression and anxiety. And my doctors think that this is due to perimenopausal hormone changes. And so again, we mental health is health. Mental health is biology. And you have to understand that we have to take care of all of you. And you need a team that looks at it from a medical perspective, from a psychological perspective. And thank God for this woman that her mental health team knew about hormones because we're loud about it and we're talking about it. But, but a lot of mental health teams don't know about hormones being a helpful or a, a thing that can help with mental health. And so a lot of times our perimenopausal patients are only offered antidepressants or are only offered cognitive behavioral therapy. And oftentimes they would do better if they were sort of offered a more full menu of options that might be able to help them. How about, again, vaginal dryness? We went over that just a few minutes ago with the urinary symptoms, right? Not having estrogen and testosterone in your system will make everything dry like the Sahara Desert and sex becomes so painful and, and no amount of lubricant. You can put lubricant all over the desert sand and it is still gonna be sand, people. And so lubricants are helpful, but they do not fix the problem. And I am a surgeon, I like to fix things. And so vaginal hormones, you don't need surgery for this problem, by the way. Vag Vaginal hormones fix this problem so that yes, you can add lubricant for fun, but you don't need lubricant uh, to, to because it won't help of true vaginal dryness. 
dry eye y'all you have you have testosterone receptors in your eyes and so without with 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 losing hormones in your body dry eye can get worse and worse overwhelm i know y'all are overwhelmed with all this information this is so much information and so menopause and perimenopause can make all of this seem overwhelming and what's so hard is all of you want customized opinions from this very show you want to know well what should i do and that's what makes it really hard because i can't fix you specifically because I have to get to know you. If I don't get to know you as your as your doctor and say, okay, what's your story? What do you care about? What do you want? What are your goals? What's your family history? What's your history? I can't give you good customized advice. I get messages all day long and I can't give good, like I can give very general advice on the internet, but it's really hard. So you have to see a menopause specialist. Um, I think low libido, we talked about that one already. And this is just a Merry Christmas one. I think we're done with all the symptoms. There's more symptoms, by the way. Uh, we have people who have burning mouth syndrome. We have people with uh, um, uh, reflux issues. We, Gosh, there's so many symptoms of menopause. Even I learn about new ones all the time. And so it's really important that you see a clinician who actually understands this at a high level. If you are just told hormones are all the same thing and they're all dangerous and you can't take them, Mrs. Smith, you got to make sure you're getting good advice. Because remember, less than 7% of doctors are given any training in menopause. And there's a lot of nuance here. It's gray. It's not all black and white, good or bad, right or wrong. And so I really strongly encourage you to check out menopause.org, which is a website to find a menopause practitioner, or if you want sexual health advice to go to isswsh.org, find a provider. I am on both of those websites uh, as a provider because I am both a menopause specialist. I am also a sexual medicine specialist. And you can certainly sign up for our newsletter at rachelrubinmd.com where I'm always sending helpful blogs, helpful tips, research that we're doing. I am committed to education, research, and advocacy. And so you should definitely follow me and my friends on social media. I'm so grateful that Chef AJ brought me on because um, she has a platform that is just unbelievable. The people who are listening to her show, y'all are the smartest, most thoughtful people I have ever been around. And so that's why I keep coming back because I just love talking to y'all. That was a wonderful presentation. I feel like there needs to be a song with it, you know, like on the first day of menopause, you know, something like that. I'm waiting for you to write it. That's good. Yeah. I well, love you know, it. It's incredible that like, I, I mean, you know, some of the symptoms people are, are prevalent and people really, you know, hot flashes, for example, dryness, things like that. But, you know, like frozen shoulder. I mean, who would have thought something like that would be a symptom of menopause, you know? It's crazy. And I think, again, it's a marketing problem is because we do not talk about it because we all are hush hush. We don't talk about aging. We don't talk about what happens. Nobody has a what to expect when you're no longer expecting show. And so women are just left without much information. And then when they go to their doctors, they're expecting answers and they don't get them because no one trained their doctors to think this way, which is like, honestly, if y'all are just like, this can't be true. I wish, I wish this were not true. I wish I was being like exaggerating here and I wish I was being uh, crazy uh I, it's 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 so infuriating well just like doctors aren't trained in nutrition I don't think doctors that aren't even in this specialty are like for example if, if my shoulder hurt I would go to the orthopedic doctor and he is going to do whatever orthopedic doctors do for shoulders you know he's not going to probably say well you know how's your menopause going 
And nor would he prescribe any hormones or even tell you to go to someone who prescribes hormones because it's so, because we as a society say, ooh, lady issues, that's all gynecology. But nobody bothered to teach the gynecologists about menopause and how to treat it. So there is nobody, you know, the menopause specialty. I mean, you're talking about a couple, maybe a thousand, a couple thousand people who have like done extra training in menopause care. So you may find yourself in a part of the country where they don't have a menopause specialist. And that's where you need to either do a telemedicine type of care or you need to travel and see somebody because it, your 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 life, your health deserves expert opinion here. And oftentimes you cannot get that from your general doctor. Do you do telemedicine? We do, you know, we do, we're, we're expanding and we're, we're hopeful. We love when people travel and come in because exams are really helpful here and really spending time in person is very helpful here. We will do opinions, um, you know, just sort of second opinion consults where we try to work with your local doctor. Um, we are working on expanding our telemedicine services. Um, certainly if you are uh, in one of the states where we can see you, we're happy to, and, and, and we're working on that. But it, it's really important that we provide and, and that the laws change to a allow for more uh, telemedicine care because um, y'all like there aren't enough of us doing this at a high level where you can get really, really good care. And for me, I, I can't do it in 10 minutes, right? So many doctor visits are 10 minutes long. And so I refuse to practice medicine that way. So my partners and I, we spend a lot of time with people. I mean, you're talking an hour to an hour and a half where we're really diving deeply. And I don't know about you, but sitting with a doctor who's asking you about what are your goals? What do you care about? What do you want? What does sex look like? What do you want it to look like? How do you feel about this? And then really educating you, showing you PowerPoints, showing you data, connecting you with a team that's going to help you. I mean, we all deserve that, right? Everybody deserves that. Yeah, that is so cool. You know, when you mentioned that um, that anxiety could be one of the symptoms, would that be somebody that never had anxiety that's all of a sudden anxious or somebody that had anxiety and now has worsening anxiety? All of, I've seen it all, right? All of the above. We see, we see it all the time where, you know, I'm not an anxious person and Dr. Rubin, I, I'm having panic attacks or I'm like waking up at three in the morning and my heart is racing and my mind is racing. I never had that before, right? And, and it's a very, uh, it can be a very hormonally fluctuating thing. So does going on the vaginal estrogen help some of these symptoms? Vaginal hormones are local. So they're going to help with the urinary symptoms, the arousal, the orgasm symptoms a little bit, the preventing UTI symptoms. Vaginal hormones, which are safe for everybody, um, you know, into your 90s and 100s, you can take it, is really a, a lovely product for local things. Uh, uh, vaginal hormones do not prevent osteoporosis. They do not help with hot flashes, night sweats, brain fog, heart palpitations. And so um, some of, well, that's when we start talking about whole body hormone therapy, or some people call it HRT, or which is hormone replacement therapy, or MHT, menopause hormone therapy. There's all sorts of terminology that you'll see out there. And that's where you want to really see a specialist who can customize it because not all hormones are the same. Estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone are all different things. Things, and there's different ways to give them some safer than others. And so it's, again, my recommendation to a 62-year-old person is going to be different than my recommendations for a 48-year-old person. And I'm going to have to customize it to their symptoms, what they need. Are they bleeding? Do they need birth control? Uh, do they? Are we worried about blood clot risk? There's all sorts of 
factors that go into deciding is hormone therapy the right thing for me. Now, the problem is hormone therapy is actually safe for a lot of people, but the majority of people are not getting the information and they think, oh, well, someone else can take that, but that's not okay for me. I'll give an example, testosterone. So I uh, testosterone, there is global consensus, global. Is there anything the globe can agree on right now? Like nobody agrees on anything right now, but there is global consensus that testosterone works for low libido, right? So, so I can give a 70-year-old testosterone just by itself to help with her libido and it works quite well. I have many patients in their 70s and 80s on testosterone therapy. It helps probably with their muscles too. It probably helps a little bit with energy, but we don't have an FDA-approved product of testosterone. So I have to use male testosterone that I do at one-tenth the dose for my female patients because the FDA has different benchmarks of male testosterone versus female testosterone. Y'all, it's approved in Australia for their people. Why is it not safe enough for us in America if it's safe enough for the Australian people? It's politics and it's pretty wild. So testosterone safety is different than maybe a pill of estrogen safety, right? Or progesterone. There are different kinds of progesterone that you can give people. So it's a lot more nuanced than people think, but the media sort of just says, oh, hormone therapy is good or bad right? Birth control is just good or bad. Birth control has very complicated, right? There's lots of different types of birth control and there are some serious risk factors, like risks that are possible with birth control. So it's just, it's, it, does that make sense? Like it's, it's, we want to make it easy and applicable to everybody listening, but it's just not. Wow. So where does one go for help? You obviously, but is there like a list of practitioners that, that can do what you do? Yeah, so menopause.org is going to have people who care enough about menopause to take a test. That doesn't mean they know everything, um, but it does mean that they cared enough to pay a little bit of money and take a test on their uh, on their skills. And so menopause.org is the Menopause Society's website, and there's a find a provider. And then if you're having sexual uh, uh, symptoms, not every doctor is trained in sexual medicine. And so um, the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health, I'm the education chair right now, um, and they have a find a provider on their website. So it's ISSWSH, ISSWSH.org. And they also have a find a provider available. And so those are two really great resources to get people started. Great. Thank you. How about a few questions? You're, you're, by the way, I think you have to take my stand-up class next year because you're hilarious. I would love to. I, I mean, would love so, to. I, mean, we, I, I can't forget what you just said. You can put all the lubrication on the Sahara. It's still a desert. That is such a great line. That's oh, funny. I'm in. I've always oh, thinking like I, I was thinking I need to do a stand-up or a, an improv class or something like that because um, I should do it with Cal- with, with Dr. Casperson. We should I, actually, in. I take improv online too. I, I'll talk to you offline because I have teach a great me. I, I was- you know, you've already got the skills. You just need a little bit of guidance. And Dr. Casperson, who was a wonderful guest on this show, uh, took the class, and she she's a rock star. So I'm in. Guys- I want to take an improv class. Sign me up. Let's do it. That is fantastic. So I I see some wonderful questions in the chat. We'll start. Usually we start with the previously submitted ones, but I don't want to lose these from Gail. I heard vaginal cream will help with atrophy, but will also increase libido and give you better quality of sleep. Is that true? 
The vaginal hormones now, if you, it's, that's a really good question. Vaginal hormones will definitely help with atrophy and dryness. It will help with pain with sex, which can often improve your libido because y'all, why would you want to have sex if it hurts, right? So if you can get the pain to go away and you can improve your orgasm, your libido is going to go up because now you can actually get something out of sex. So absolutely. it Now the sleep thing is a very interesting one. I guarantee it will help with your sleep. If the reason you are not sleeping is because you're getting up in the middle of the night to pee. So if you're constantly having to go to the bathroom, if you use vaginal hormones, that will decrease and you'll get more sleep and be more well-rested. So you're absolutely right for that. Now, if you're waking up in the middle of the night because your brain is having too many hot flashes, the vaginal hormones probably will not help with that. But it will. y'all have to know that the vaginal hormones take about two to three months to maximally work and you have to be using enough. So if you're using a cream, you have to use at least one gram in the vagina twice a week. We usually have a loading dose of every day for two weeks and then twice a week. If you're using an insert, you got to do that every day for two weeks and then twice a week. And you have to use it till death do you part. It will, with when you stop using it, you'll start getting symptoms again. It is like sunscreen. You do not get credit for your sunscreen if you're not wearing it when you're out in the sun. And so you must use it regularly in order to get the benefits. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yep. That's wonderful. Thanks. Uh, Dina says, going whole food plant-based helped me avoid most menopausal symptoms, except that my libido did take a nosedive, as did my bone density. Can you recommend rec remedies for both bone density and low libido? Absolutely. So um, there are lots of treatments for each of them. Now, bones are a fascinating one, and you should definitely have some bone people. So we call them boneheads um, because bones are not my super specialty. But what I don't understand about bones is that we start checking people's bone densities like in their 60s, and your bone density significantly tanks in your 50s when you're, when you're starting to go through perimenopause. And we know estrogen is really helpful at preventing fractures. So, so the problem is we're not really giving women the option of staying on estrogen when their bodies are no longer making it to prevent fractures, to prevent osteoporosis. And so starting estrogen in your mid-60s is not the optimal time probably to start hormones. And so then often you're going to be offered a lot of these osteoporosis medications, which have side effects as well and, and some risks to them. Now, weightlifting is good for everybody. I want everybody to start lifting heavy things. It's not just about cardio people. We got to lift heavy things. Um, so that's the bone densities. Uh, question. The libido question, libido is biopsychosocial. So uh, things like you got to start uh, uh, actually figuring out, are you having sex worth having? Is it fun for you? Are you thinking about it? Are you intentional about what kind of sex you're having? Or are you doing the same old stuff that's really boring and not fun to your brain? So you got to coat your brain in dopamine, vacation sex, uh, sex in a different room. Uh, planning sex is actually quite sexy of actually thinking through of like, oh, next Sunday, we're going to do this. What am I going to wear? What are we going to do? What's going to, what's the plan? It's foreplay in your own brain. I just found out on Instagram about a fun website called Literotica, where you put it on your phone. Instead of scrolling Instagram, you can scroll through sexy stories and, and things that kind of get, so your, your partner thinks you're just on Instagram, but you're kind of getting in the mood. It's a great opportunity. Devices are helpful to get uh, your libido up. If you can have a more reliable orgasm, it's going to make your libido better. Sex therapy is really helpful to improve communication with your partner. Nobody's so good at sex, they can't get better. And so 
we love sex therapy and medications. There are both hormonal and non-hormonal medications that can help with libido as well. So there's lots of options out there, people. It's just, we think there's nothing to do and we like to sit around and complain about it. But if you care about it, you can prioritize it and put it on your priority list for 2024, just like making more money or giving more charity or doing more, you know, good deeds, put your own sex life on that priority list. Thank you. You know, one of the viewers is saying you could do your stand-up bit on menopause. That would be really funny. I don't know if you can answer this, uh, but I'm only asking it, even though it's a different body part, because I wonder if it's a symptom of possible menopause. Uh, Karen says, can anything be done to help dry eye? Is that a possible symptom of menopause? Yeah, that would interest me. Now, I am not an eye doctor, and um, but I know there's a lot of testosterone receptors in the eye. And so I'd love to see more studies on hormones and dry eye. Um, and so that is something uh, to uh, consider talking to your eye doctor about. I don't know that many eye doctors are well-versed in menopause, um, but it certainly is a, a plausible theory. Thank you. And Susanna would like to know, where did it, uh, with the vaginal cream, if you miss a few weeks or even a month, should you start again with the protocol of using it daily for two weeks? I would say six of one, half a dozen of the other. It's um, probably, you'll get there either way if you just keep doing it. You won't hurt yourself by doing that. Um, and it's not that serious. Thank you. Okay, now we'll go to the previously submitted questions. This is from Anonymous. I'm 60, menopause for five years, whole food plant-based, no oil for two and a half years, healthy except dry as a desert, painful intercourse, also concerned about getting UTIs as I get older. I've never had one. OBGYN visit recently. I mentioned your estradiol recommendations. Siege suggested using coconut oil as a lube and using Jolva as a moisturizer instead of estrogen at this time. She wasn't keen on putting me on vaginal estrogen, but would do whatever I decided. What are your thoughts on both of the things, coconut oil and Jolva? And my brain wants to explode with anger and rage. Uh, and I'm so grateful for that question. So here is a perfect example. This person took off of work, uh, figured out, you know, everything, got in a car, traveled to this doctor, uh, armed with information that could save her life, improve her sex life, prevent urinary tract infections, and she was ready to go. And her doctor talked her out of it for literally no reason. So this is where we are struggling because the marketing is wrong here. The guidance for most OBGYNs, they think, oh, start with lubricants and moisturizers. Just start with the Band-Aids. And then if your symptoms are really bad, you can you know, use the vaginal hormones. And that's just wrong. And it's not their fault. That was sort of what they were taught. And that's what the book kind of says. But it's wrong because we can fix this lady's problems. What are her goals? Her goals are not to get urinary tract infections. Her goal is not to be dry. And not only do we not have to use Band-Aids, but we can actually fix the problem. Moisturizers and Jolva cost quite a bit of money, actually. And nor do they show any signs or evidence to prevent urinary tract infections. So why would we cause our patients to spend a lot of money on products that are just going to be Band-Aids when her insurance will cover a product or she can spend $20 a tube that will cost you know $20 and it doesn't matter if she has no insurance and that lasts about two months. So you're talking for $10 a month, she can have great sex, prevent urinary tract infections, have great orgasms and have zero risk to cancer, stroke, heart disease, blood clots or any problems whatsoever. Uh, vaginal moisturizers and jolt 
vulva have never been shown to help with urinary frequency and urgency. They've never been shown to help prevent urinary tract infections. So here's where I'm going to say anonymous, your gynecologist is just wrong. She's just wrong. She was trained back in the old school times and she doesn't follow me on social media or any of my friends. And to when, and if they could just read and learn, if you hear one lecture of mine, the doctors are like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. Come on, let's do this. Um, it, it's, it's, inf I'm so glad you asked that question because we hear this all the time and I'm sorry to say, but your doctor is just wrong. Thank you. Okay. This is from Susanna. I'm okay. I've been reading on PubMed that there's a controversy over, over whether urinary incontinence increases with HRT. Is this the same effect seen with the use of vaginal estrogen cream? I'm two years postmenopausal after eight vaginal births beginning to experience stress incontinence on coughing and sneezing. I've been on vaginal estrogen cream for about a year after about hearing about it from you on Chef AJ Live, and I'm otherwise happy with how it has helped me. Should I reconsider the use of vaginal estrogen cream? Is it causing stress incontinence? If not, what else can I do to stop this from happening? Such a fabulous question. And please thank your, you you just literally have the smartest people on your oh, show. You it's unbelievable. Come on like a, at least so, yeah, thank so you. stress incontinence. So, so think of it this way. The vaginal hormones are foundationally helping the tissue be strong and healthy and plump and lubricated. And you can tell already after a year that you have so much better symptoms, but you're still having stress incontinence because stress incontinence is, is literally, you had eight babies. First of all, you're amazing, right? I just, I have two and I don't know what to do with either of them. So eight sounds really challenging to me. But so what happens with having eight vaginal deliveries, it sounds like you had, structurally, things probably are a little bit not in the place that they used to be. So we can see that the urethra can move, that the angle of the urethra can change, that sometimes the vagina or the that can kind of fall in a little bit on itself, sort of like the walls of the house can start to kind of fall in on itself. And so those are structural changes that the vaginal hormones are not going to fix structural problems. And so depending on how severe your urinary incontinence is, there are uh, pelvic floor physical therapists who can help with exercises. There are things like pessaries that can be put in the vagina to kind of lift everything up. There are surgical options to lift everything up. There are um, um, incontinence um, slings that can help pull everything up. Um, there are fillers you can put in the urethra. So there are a lot of treatments for stress incontinence, but the most important thing, you do not have to suffer. If it bothers you, there are medical and surgical solutions that can absolutely give you a better quality of life. So I would really strongly recommend that you see someone trained in stress incontinence. So a urologist or a urogynecologist are all trained in this area. And I will tell you, vaginal hormones are the foundation to keep everything strong and healthy. And you keep doing that till death do you part. And so then you add a, a stress incontinence therapy. So it's not and or, or it's not or, it's and, if that makes sense. Yeah. She's watching live and says she didn't have any incontinence before. It's only the last six months. Get out of here. So actually, that's where I would tell you to start if it's start with pelvic floor physical therapy. And you need a good exam, right? So that's really important. Now, the controversies on PubMed that show stress incontinence, that data is based on systemic hormone therapy. Um, vaginal hormones should not increase your risk of stress incontinence, but everyone's bodies is a little bit different. So you got it's interestingly enough, we saw a recent study looking at testosterone, like whole body testosterone, um, and, and uh, it helped with stress incontinence 
incontinence. So it, there may be some things that you could add to your routine, but I would see a, a, a pelvic floor physical therapist and potentially a specialist who can do a really good exam to figure out what's going on with your body. Because her body, after eight babies, your body, I will tell you, is not like anybody else's. It is uh, literally magic. <laughs> Thank you. That was great. So Dixie, who's watching live, says, do you recommend Kegel exercises to strengthen the pelvic floor? Yeah, not universally. So Kegel exercises um, are a exercise that when you suck, like you sort of hold in the pelvic floor, sort of like you're stopping your urine stream to tighten your pelvic floor and release it. And there are different ways to do Kegel exercises, different reasons we recommend Kegel exercises. But many of our patients who have pain with sex or or to, or constipation, they actually, their pelvic floors are too tight and they need to do reverse Kegel exercises. They need to learn to relax their muscles. So to just get on YouTube and say everybody do Kegel exercises is not actually good advice. And the data shows that if I teach you like verbally how to do a Kegel exercise, y'all stink at it, right? Like, so, so if I put my finger in the vagina and tell you to squeeze, a lot of times I can't feel anything that you're trying to do because you're using the wrong muscles. And so this is where I love my pelvic floor physical therapy colleagues because they can train you and customize care for you because not everybody needs the same thing. I've had a couple of them on the show a few times. They're, they are amazing. They Just, really are. They are amazing. So uh, Renee, who's watching live, said that her insurance didn't pay for the estradiol. Uh, they wanted, the local pharmacy wanted $500, but $45 a month to mail order pharmacy. So yeah, yeah so you can, you can get it even cheaper than that. So um, this is where, again, being loud, I, I would never want people to pay money for things that they don't need to pay money for. Pay money for people's expertise, pay money for things that are worth expensive money, uh, but don't pay expensive money for vaginal hormones. So vaginal estrogen cream, if you have, go to goodrx.com and a lot of time and see who takes the coupon, put in your zip code, put in the estrogen cream and it should be $20 a tube, which lasts two and a half months, or have your doctor send the prescription to costplusdrugs.com, which is Mark Cuban's pharmacy, which is also $20 a tube. So you're talking, you should not spend $500. When I got out of my training, uh, you know, seven or eight years ago, yeah, it was $500 a tube. Those days are over. So if you're using Premarin cream, you could switch to estradiol cream, which is arguably a little bit less, uh, um, um, irritating to your tissue or a vaginal estrogen insert. So, so you got to find what will your insurance cover number one, and is it cheaper just to go the cash price, which uh, in either good RX or cost plus drugs. Right now I am not a doctor, but I know what you're going to answer to this question. Cause this is what we've been talking about a lot of Anita says, my mother-in-law's post-hysterectomy age 75 is dealing with frequent urination and multiple UTIs in a year. Is vaginal hormone advisable for someone like her? Chef AJ shouted from the rooftops. What's yes, the not only yes. advisable, but mandatory. Mandatory. <laughs> like this is infuriating. Your mother doesn't, listen, y'all, your mom does not have to suffer. And the problem is moms can be stubborn. They can be so stubborn. I have two of them, a mother and a mother-in-law, and they are stubborn. And the education is so important. And the problem is their doctors aren't giving them the education that they need. So they're rolling their eyes at you because you saw this on YouTube and it's, it's really infuriating. We were just in the Guardian newspaper in England, a full page in their weekend section.
section all about UTI. Show them the newspaper article. We were in the New York Times talking about it. Show them the newspaper article. We have medical journals of us talking about them. Show them. I have a blog post on my website, rachelrubinmd.com, called The Magic of Hormones. Um, sign up for my newsletter, rachelrubinmd.com, so that they can that you can get information to share with mom. But you have to. You will save mom's life by getting this information to her and actually getting her to use it. Because I'll tell you, if it sits in her bathroom drawer and she doesn't use it, it's not going to work, right? Like, like, so it's really important that we educate people properly. Thanks. And Jennifer, who's watching live, wants to know, should a woman wait until she has symptoms before starting to use the vaginal cream? So here's where I'm a very aggressive and I am a total cowboy and you can take my advice or not, but I'm a big fan. A lot of people put moisturizer on their face to prevent wrinkles, right? A lot of people do a skincare because they don't want things to get worse. I put some, you, you see how pale, like, like you don't become this pale overnight. This is years of me being an indoor kid. Um, but, but if I'm going to the beach, I'm going to lather myself in SPF 50 because I don't want to deal with a sunburn. And so I'm a big believer that vaginal hormones are preventative uh, for problems. If you want to stay sexually active, if you want to not get urinary symptoms or urinary tract infections. That being said, a lot of times it's not just UTI, but if you're getting up at night to pee, if you've got some frequency and urgency, those actually are symptoms and, and vaginal hormones can be quite helpful. Great. And uh, I'm Stacy says, I'm 63. My longtime male partner left. I stopped the estrogen vaginal cream and now I'm waking up at 2, 3, 4 a.m. My vaginal cream costs $100 for two months. Can I just increase that to sleep? Um, your vaginal cream should not cost $100 for two months. So get the cash price on goodrx.com or uh, costplusdrugs.com and have your uh, uh, doctor send the prescription to those pharmacies. And um, you should absolutely, vaginal estrogen has nothing to do with your male partner. I don't care if you have a partner. I don't care if you ever want sex again. I don't care if you're a nun. Vaginal hormones are gonna help you sleep through the night. They're gonna help protect your urinary symptoms and they're gonna prevent urinary tract infections, which is the thing that's gonna try to kill you uh, as you get older. And so um, you are you absolutely should restart it, but you should get it for a lot cheaper than you currently are getting it. Thank you. This is from uh, Delicia. I've been using estradiol cream since 10, 12, 23, and I have constant burning and itching. Will this go away with continued use or what else should I do? Could it be, could it be possible if somebody's allergic to that and maybe use Yeah. It so it's, lot? so a couple things there, um, 10, 12, 23 is gonna, that means you're like at two months, uh, ish. And so it takes three months to maximally work, but as your body is acidifying, sometimes yeast cells can grow. And so occasionally we see people have yeast infections pop up and also if if you're using a cream version of estrogen, sometimes it has chemicals in it that can burn your tissue. You may want to switch to a tablet version, or you may want to go back to your doctor to swab and see if you have any bacteria or yeast that needs to be treated. And so again, it's not saying the vaginal hormone's not working. It's just as it's on its way to, to maximally working, sometimes yeast and bacteria can occasionally pop up. So I would go get that checked out for sure. Great. This is a little bit uh, longer one. Um, she says she's a perimenopause, she has perimenopause insomnia. She's 52, been dealing it with for five years, had the same job for 23 years. And it's getting to the point as she gets older, she can't take the full sleepless nights. 
and drive to work and function. She tried trazodone and natural supplements and spent over $2,000 on them. Nothing seems to shut her mind down. She exercises vegan 28 years, lift weights, go to bed the exact time, tried all the things, is her only option HRT. She has breast cancer history on both sides and she does include small amounts of soy in her diet. Yeah. So, um, this is a big problem because women are being forced to leave the workforce because women don't like being bad at their jobs. We love being, in fact, we have to be really good at our jobs for us to even, even then we have imposter syndrome and feel like we don't deserve to be there. It's kind of a disaster. So I have a God complex, y'all. My God complex is that I believe I can keep women in high positions if I can just get this person feeling better. Um, it is a, a passion of mine to take a person like this and educate them properly to understand the risks, the benefits, the safety, the efficacy of different types of treatments for this person. And so she's trying all of the natural things. And, and what I hear in that, in that question is failure, this feeling of I'm a failure, this feeling like if I just try hard enough, if I just deep breathe, breathe deeply enough, if I just do more yoga, something will click and this will work. And y'all, your gas tank is empty. You have no gas left. And so if adding some gas back will get you to sleep, will get you to feel better and it's safe and effective and the risks are not there. And I think she thinks the risks are higher than they actually are. Now, I don't know her whole story and I'd have to listen to it, but I don't know that she's getting the best advice in the world. And I think she should, um, and, and sometimes this idea of like, hormones means I'm like a failure that I, I somehow like uh, uh, putting my life at too much risk. We're not afraid of birth control in this way, which is so funny, right? People take birth control like throughout their lives and there's not this intense like feeling of doom and dread and oh my God, I'm killing myself because I don't want to get pregnant right now. And yet something happens when you turn 52, the word hormone all of a sudden becomes this like evil, scary, mysterious thing. So I would encourage that person to see a menopause specialist who's going to sit down and really take the time to individualize care for her because I'm not sure she's getting that advice. But it's a really... I see this all day, every day. And I want you to know, friend, I see the future and I see you sleeping and I see you having a better quality of life. And I see you kicking all of the butt at your workplace and rising up the ranks and being the boss. Like that's what I see because I see it every day in my clinic. Do you think if men had this problem, like uh, they'd already have it fixed? Here's the thing, y'all. So so part of why I'm so aggressive at this is I take care of men. And men, when they have low testosterone, they don't feel good. They feel they fall asleep at, after dinner, their libidos get lower, their erections get a little wonky. And we're talking about a gas tank that's like a quarter tank full, right? Because their testosterone is like dropped a little below 300 and they're feeling badly. And so by getting them from 300 to like four, five, 600, they feel so much better. Their sex lives are back, their erections are back. So, so they get the help that they need if they have a little bit of symptoms and their numbers are low, we help them. And that's why I'm so aggressive with women because women, their gas tanks go to zero and they feel awful and nobody is trying to help them or add back therapy. And that's the part that infuriates me. Have you heard of menopause Barbie? Um, I did see that is a very hilarious video that somebody made. Oh, it's, it's like, I think it's a doctor on YouTube. Somebody's recommending menopause Taylor also known oh, that as I don't menopause. know. No, I, I don't know her. I don't know what she's recommending, but I'll, I'll, I'll check her out. That's one of the viewers is asking. And one is asking, do you recommend one gram of vaginal estrogen cream twice daily? I was prescribed a cream that no, is no, one twice weekly, twice weekly. So, I said, I yeah, read yeah. it. 
I was okay. to scream that is one milligram of estrogen per gram. I'm confused. What so, so, so the, the, the medicine that I'm talking about is an FDA approved estradiol cream. Um, people are often get compounded creams from compounded pharmacies. We have lots of FDA approved products that will be covered by your insurance that are $20 for two months. And so you don't necessarily have to spend thousands of dollars on your hormone routine. And I think people, again, spend money on people's expertise and spend money on books, spend money on watching YouTube videos if it's helpful, but don't spend money on products that shouldn't be a lot of money. So again, you can do a really good hormone regimen for not a lot of money, um, but you have to be with someone who actually gets it and understands it and can help you with it. Right. So the, uh, the UFM that some people are taking the little insert twice a week, that would be the equivalent of the cream. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. Just, just less messy. Just people. less messy yeah. for people. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You're just amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. I hope I can, you come on again. I know you can't do it every month, but maybe, you know, every. I love, I'm trying to build my team so that I can do more stuff like this and get more awareness out there. Would love for people to follow me, uh, sign up for our newsletter at rachelrubinmd.com. And I'm just so grateful. You have the best audience on the internet and I'm just grateful for them all. Well, thank you so much and happy holidays to you. You too as well. Yes. Thank you so much, Dr. Rubin. I hope to see you in comedy class. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow when my guest is Dr. Jed Fahey and Lisa Curtis. They are going to be talking about the benefits of menopause. Oh, benefits of menopause. What am I saying? I'm thinking about the moringa. It's never happened. We're both cracking up, Doc, me and Dr. Rubin. All right. Well, maybe there's some benefits of menopause. Who knows? That'll be the next show. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.